0: It's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus, at these prices, well, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride-or-die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Radio.com Sports presents Big Time Baseball with MLB insider John Heyman and former major leaguer Tony Gwynn Jr.
1: Games are in full swing out in Arizona and Florida. Welcome into Big Time Baseball. I'm Tony Gwynn Jr. alongside my partner, John Heyman. And uh, we're in full swing. Teams are playing games, and it feels like baseball once again. Remember, you can follow us on Twitter. I'm at Tony Gwynn Jr. He's at John Heyman. And now you can follow this show on Twitter as well. Follow us at RDC underscore Big Time Baseball, BTB. Uh, make sure you subscribe, rate, and review Big Time Baseball on iTunes, Spotify, or wherever you find your favorite podcast. Again, that's uh, it's RDC underscore BTB. That's Big Time Baseball. Let me welcome in my partner, John Heyman. John, how are you doing today? I'm good. How are you doing, Tony? I'm um, well. It sounds like you're getting a little bit better with your voice. A little better.
2: Thank you. Yeah. I appreciate yeah, your yeah. mentioning that. Thank you. <laughs>
1: Good, good, good. Well, <laughs> let's uh, let's break down. So uh, we'll start with the NL West. I think those are uh, that that division is is very popular only from the standpoint that it seems to be a two team race. You got the defending champion Dodgers. You got the team that has probably the best off. I don't think it's probably about it. They had the best no. <laughs> offseason uh, of any team in Major League Baseball, the San Diego Padres. And uh, we'll start with the Dodgers. I mean, this team. Uh, I think everybody knows that they've added Trevor Bauer to their rotation, but I think a lot of people forget that uh, they have other additions that they're going to bring in as well. David Price being one of them who sat out of the year uh, due to, to COVID concerns uh, or, or just decided to, to sit out year. I don't know if it was due to COVID or not, but uh, what's your take
2: on, on the Dodgers this year? Yeah, I mean, obviously the Dodgers have a fantastic team, and it's going to be an interesting uh, two-team race. I think I, I like some of the stuff the Giants did, and uh, they're improved, and uh, they surprised some people last year, as a matter of fact. But boy, these two teams are fantastic. Uh, yeah, I I think they both both of us, I'm sure both of us had them in the top five in terms of their winters. We both had the Padres one, and I know we had the Dodgers in the top five as well. Um, yeah. Just adding Bauer. Uh, That's a huge add for the for the Dodgers, and uh, whether he's the number three starter or two, whatever you want to call him, they have three Cy Young worthy uh, starters, so they're in fantastic position. We just uh, talked to uh, Andrew Friedman, the baseball president there, and uh, he's a lot of interesting things to say. But um, you know, they wanted to add to their depth, and uh, by putting somebody near the top, I don't want to say at the top because they have Clayton Kershaw, who's probably the best pitcher of the last half century, or arguably, I guess you could say Pedro. Uh, Maddox some people might say or Johnson but uh, Kershaw uh, I would say is the best uh, pitcher over the last half century and uh, I mean they've got seven excellent I believe they're going to be excellent starters obviously Urias May and Gonsolin less proved but uh, all very talented individuals so I mean on paper the Dodgers are the best team in baseball and in my opinion on paper I I don't I think the Padres may be the second best team but uh, right now it's hard to say anybody's better than the Dodgers
1: yeah, the Dodgers certainly are loaded, especially as it pertains to starters. Obviously, you don't know what's going to happen when it comes to um, the fact that the 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 Dodgers are, are are coming into spring training, and a lot of times, spring training, guys get injured, things happen, so the depth uh, hasn't been challenged yet. Should they get through it, you're right. The the depth is 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 amazing. Trevor May is another guy who who could could start on that team. You also have you mentioned Ordeus who did, has shown the ability to, to, to do a little bit of everything. He could start, he can, he can relieve, he can close. He uh he he's one of the guys that wears many hats. It's gonna be interesting to see where he fits in in terms of whether it's in the rotation or bullpen. And then uh you do, you still the the one question mark I think that it remains is you don't what are you gonna get out of Kenley Jansen? uh he that back end of that bullpen he's been a stalwart now last year he struggled at times uh we'll have Andrew Friedman on as well a little later on uh but this is a guy that has a chance to have a bounce back season and could add to a, a Dodger team that was already pretty good
2: yeah I, I actually think Kenley may have a bounce back season I think he's going to do it I think he was a little unlucky in the playoffs at, at times and I think he's still got something left in the tank and uh Boy, those young kids really have talent. And it's, I do this all the time, uh, Tony. It's it's Dustin May. I I call him Trevor too. Uh, yeah, I, I, yeah, sorry, it is Dustin May. Yeah, I know. Uh, but Dustin May, he's certainly a, a unique. Even if he doesn't have a unique name, he's got a unique uh, a style. That hundred miles an hour with with uh, with movement, uh, fantastic, fantastic talent. Urias looked great as a closer, but uh, he wants to be a starter and should be so. Uh, I mean, that team, it just looks it looks unbeatable, but uh, your Padre, I'll call him your Padre since you're an announcer for them. Uh, <laughs> they're, pretty, they're pretty good. I mean, uh, they've got incredible talent in that uh, minors, and they traded a, a bunch of prospects to get a Darvish and to get Snell, and they still have their top prospects. Uh, uh, we might finally see Mackenzie Gore, finally. I say he's still, is he probably 21 years old? Uh, but I mean to have to have that rotation now that they have. It looks, I mean, it's fantastic. I mean, they're probably not as good as the Dodgers on paper, but Darvish, Snell. I think Paddock is a very talented kid. He's going to do well. Yeah. Um, their team is good. Uh, we know we know their lineup is good. When you've got Tatis Jr., you've got Machado, and then of course Hosmer, Cronenworth. Uh Grisham was really good last year. I don't know if people realize how good he was. Tommy Pham, um, you know, uh, they're outstanding as well.
1: Yeah, Tommy Pham is is the wild card here because uh, he had a down year due to injury. He only played in a little over 30 games last year. So the Padres had the type of offense they had really without his presence being in the lineup. So I, I think if he stays healthy, they're going to get a, a an addition there. Uh, without having to spend any money that they yep. in the offseason in terms of that. So I I think that's a, a one spot to watch. You mentioned some of the young prospects and uh through the first 3 games it's it's really been fun to watch a guy like CJ Abrams who's coming. You can envision a, a, a middle infield with Tatis Jr and CJ Abrams in it. Uh he's some certainly someone that that guys are going to be paying attention. to. You mentioned Mackenzie Gore who I thought it, it was really a surprise last year not to see him up at the big league level you had uh guys like patinho guys like Mordejon, and, and and weathers all get a shot before mackenzie gore and i think if you'd asked people before the year they would have looked at you kind of sideways like if there's no shot we don't see mackenzie mm-hmm. gore but that was kind of the year he has it seems like whatever was going wrong with him mechanically is uh ironed it out and uh he's gonna have his first spring training game start here tomorrow but uh, certainly this rotation. Uh you mentioned you Darvis. Blake Snell gets to go today for the first time in a Padre uniform. Um and I think the, the wild card in the pitching rotation could be Joe Musgrove. This is a guy who, who who's starting to come into his right. own um as a starter. He was a reliever on the World Series champion. Uh Astros team, uh later went on to to to, Hughes, to, to excuse me to Pittsburgh and kind of has moved into the starting rotation. And I think he could be a big surprise, a big boom yes. for the Padres uh, in that rotation, John.
2: Absolutely, another big pickup. I, I actually heard they almost got all three of those guys on the same day. Musgrove came, yeah, yeah. ended up coming much later. But I mean, that's J.J. Preller for you. And one of these days, we're going to get him on this show. Uh, he's been <laughs> he's tough to track down, man. I mean, I've known the guy since he was in college, uh, so I've known him longer than basically anybody in baseball. I met him at the '99. Uh, winter meetings in Anaheim. And uh, you're there right with him. And you're a very nice guy. So uh, nobody would want to (laughs) say no to you. uh, But he's obviously been very busy. He's doing good work. So we can't really rip him or anything like that. He's doing fantastic work. And I corrected you earlier about the name. And Mackenzie Gore, I just looked it up. He's 22. So still very young. I I was off by a year. But uh, uh, I'm with you on Musgrove. uh, I think Guys seem to do better when they leave Pittsburgh, so I don't know why that is, but uh, I think uh, he was highly coveted, and uh, they won out because they have a great farm system, and give Preller credit, uh, even if he can't hear me now because he's not on, but give give him credit. Uh, He built up that farm system and did a, a great job with that.
1: Yeah, just to go back, if Dustin May is listening, sorry, Dustin, I messed up the name. I called you Trevor. <laughs> we I make sure to correct Dustin. everything here. <laughs> I, I, I knew, I knew better to make that mistake, but you, I can't mention the project without mentioning Fernando Tatis Jr. He gets the fourteen-year oh uh, deal that uh, uh, really solidifies him being here in his prime and beyond. And um, this could be, in terms of the future of baseball and how contracts are done, you know, John. You're, you're very well aware of it. Guys have usually in the past have been paid really for their production that they've had prior to becoming a free agent. This deal <laughs> is almost the, the complete opposite. They're almost paying Fernando for Tatis Jr. for what they see he could be in the future to not only uh, his organization, but
2: to the game of baseball. I mean, that's probably a better way to do it than to pay someone when they're 32 right. years old and give them 200 or $300 million, as we saw earlier on with the Pujols and a the most extreme examples, and vado um, This is a better way. Talking about yeah. a kid who's in his early 20s, uh, is clearly already a superstar, one of the top five talents in the game. Uh, I don't see anything go wrong. I, I mean, everybody was praising the Tatis side of that. I like the San Diego side of it, and I'm right. amazed. Right. I'm amazed that uh, – The San Diego Padres were able to get that done. That is not one of baseball's bigger markets, and uh, you've been there long enough to remember when they had no money and couldn't afford to keep Chase Headley or pay Carlos Quentin. Uh, Now, now they import Machado and Hosmer and pay Will Myers to give three hundred forty million dollars, two three hundred million dollar contract. I saw a lot of people say they're the only team with two three hundred million dollar contract. Well, that's not quite true. I'll correct those people now. (laughs) Yankees.
1: <laughs> go ahead and get them John. yeah yeah
2: exactly the Yankees have Garrett Cole 324 million and uh Giancarlo Stanton now they acquired that second contract but they have two 300 million dollar contracts as well but for the right. San Diego Padres and the Yankees to be the two teams I mean I would get it, if it was the Yankees and the Dodgers but uh just um uh Preller has done a great job building the team and he's obviously done a great job with his ownership uh getting him to uh, believe in where, where he's going
1: yeah, no, it, you couldn't have convinced me in a million years that you would be able to put the Padres and Yankees in the same conversation <laughs> as it pertains to payroll. But here we are, and and you mentioned uh, everybody giving Tatis credit, and you're 100 right, John. The Padres should be given a lot of credit as well because they got creative. I mean, the first four years of, of Tatis' deal, uh, I believe, are one million, three, seven, and maybe 11 in the fourth year that is an extreme discount through the first four years. And I guess give Tatis credit for being willing to take on that, that type of burden, uh, that type of challenge, I should say. Uh, But uh, he also was willing to take less early and and, kind of allocate his salary a little bit later down the line. I think that gives the Padres who have been talking about this three to five year window. I think it gives them a better chance to sustain that in those first four years of this deal. So uh, very creative. Now we don't want to be disrespectful to the rest of the teams in the division. Clearly this is a two team race, but you do have competitive teams like the giants and the diamondbacks that will at least be competitive. I think.
2: Yes, I think you're right. One more thing on Tati's. You're absolutely right. I think it was 34 million for the first uh, four years on Tati. So, I mean, he's probably worth 34 million. Not probably. He's worth 34 million a year <laughs> right, right now. If he's a free right. agent. He's getting that. So um, You know, that worked out very favorably, that part of it for the Padres. But I certainly understand why Tatis did it, no question about that. Um, Yeah, I mean, the Giants, uh, they surprised some folks last year. Uh, Mike Yastrzemski, who we had on, was fantastic. He's become a star. That was great to see, great young man. Um, You know, uh, the Giants didn't import uh, Di Sclafani, uh, Alex Wood. They made a few moves. Uh, Their pitching should be improved. Um, And they're a nice team, but... uh, uh, they didn't go for it yet. I mean, they obviously have uh, big revenues. They've done a great job there in terms of business. And I expect them to do big things next winter and really become competitive. But, I mean, if they're in another division, they're in the central, I'm talking about them more. But right now, this you're right. This is a two-team field. I don't think there's any question about that.
1: Yeah, and then on top of that, uh, I mean, I shouldn't say on top of that. At the bottom of all this, you have <laughs> the, the Colorado Rockies who um, – Really have have I, I I don't know what exactly they're doing. They sign Aronado to the big year, big big deal. They end up moving him. Both sides were unhappy. Then I see a story today, uh, no pun intended, about Trevor's story and and them not likely to re-sign him as well. This this doesn't seem to be the ideal uh, model for a team that's a mid-market team and, and trying to have a competitive competitive squad out there, John.
2: Yeah, as high an ab as things are right now for the Dodgers and Padres, that's how low it is right now for the Rockies. And, and, and to be fair, they made the playoffs two years in a row, and it's not easy uh, to play at that altitude. I know they fixed it a little bit with the humidor, but uh, it's, it's not easy. Uh, that said, uh, they've had trouble uh, lately, uh, particularly with signing their star players. They did do it with Tulawitzki and Arenado, and then both became disgruntled rather quickly right. and they needed to trade them both. And that Arenado trade was very unfortunate that they had to pay $50 million for a guy who was an opt-out after one year. I mean, he could have played for them for 30 something million and then opted out and that would only cost them 30 something million. And they paid a 50 million to get rid of I guess they think he, even he wasn't unhappy there. I guess they figured he wasn't going to opt out of that deal because it's such a good deal, but wow, that was uh, not a good look. And, um, uh, Yeah, they're in an unfortunate uh, situation right now. And, uh, yeah, the Trevor Story thing, um, yeah, he's not going to be resigning there. That's pretty clear at this point. Uh, They don't have in the budget, as I reported, uh, to sign any big contracts. And this is going to be a monster one. Trevor Story, you know, we talk about these five uh, superstar shortstops who can be free agents after the year. And uh, Trevor's story gets a little short shrift, in my opinion. I mean, obviously, Lind- Lindor is a superstar. I get it. And Seeger is the, uh, was the uh, MVP of the playoffs last year. Uh, terrific talent. And all these guys are ba- – Baez is a magician. We know that. And Correa, incredible talent, has also been great in the playoffs. But Story, I mean, if you really watch him, and you do out there, uh, the combination of speed and power that he has, people do not realize. And uh, it's going to be amazing.
0: Yeah.
2: Yeah.
1: No, it's it's he's a victim of his own personality. And what I mean by that, he doesn't have the flash or the pizzazz that Fernando Tatis Jr. does. And he plays on a team right now that nobody's talking about. And so it's kind of the double whammy there. And you're right. He does get overlooked a lot with his skill set. I mean, there aren't very many skill sets in all of baseball that have the combined power and speed that you see from trevor's story it's just unfortunate not a lot of people uh are are talking about it and just to kind of correct myself the first four years of of fernando tatis junior salary the first year this year he has a base salary of one and then it's five seven and eleven just to make sure that i'm as accurate as possible (laughs) we correct you we we, we (laughs) we, try to be
2: perfect we're not perfect but we try
1: we definitely try. All right. Uh, let's get to your insider today. Johnny, you just finished talking about those great shortstops, uh, but Lindor could be a free agent at the end of this year. Correa could be in free agent. Story, we just talked about him, as well as Seager. What are you hearing on those guys, if anything, at this point?
2: Well, let's talk Lindor first because the news okay. on him is there is news. Um, they are going to discuss it soon and what I hear it's going to be next week they're going to start uh, talks now they have a deadline of opening day he said he will not talk once the season begins but I mean obviously the Mets uh, want to keep this uh fellow uh, they traded two shortstops to get him um which I, I mean I think everybody thinks it's is a good trade for the Mets but they traded Jimenez and Rosario so nine years of shortstop play and right now they have one so uh, they they want to extend him and the parameters are set at uh, $200 million was uh, the Indians offer thereabouts, maybe a little bit over, and Lindor was looking for a three, starting with a three, and um, I get that the superstar players have been getting that 300 something uh, lately. So it um, should be interesting, but I think there's some optimism surrounding Lindor and uh, Baez. I think that there will be talks for Baez this uh, spring, and I think from what everything that we gather, they want to keep him. He wants to stay. I don't think they'll be able to keep Bryant. And um, now obviously they have the wherewithal. They may have not acted like a big market team early this winter. Uh, late Later they did. They they brought in some players, but uh, they clearly have the money and they want to keep Baez. Story, we've been over. It's unfortunate. Uh, looks like he's gone for sure somehow. Uh, Correa, I think they're, they are going to have a discussion, I've heard, about Korea. Correa. Um, I don't know how optimistic they are. I think that's kind of in the middle there, somewhere between Story and then Baez and Lindor on the other side. Uh, But uh, Houston will give it a try, I believe. And then Seager, and we're going to talk to Andrew Friedman about this, um, you know, off that uh, fantastic off uh, winter, I mean, uh, uh, fall, in which he uh, was the MVP of the LCS and the MVP MVP of the World Series. Uh, He's in good position, and he's got Scott Boris, and... It'll be interesting to see when you're talking about a big market team uh, that certainly had the wherewithal and the willingness to do it. It's already at $250 million or thereabouts in terms of payroll. Uh, that's going to be an interesting one. Uh, Scott yeah. Board's clients don't usually sign with a year to go, not the superstars, although Xander Bogarts is a pretty big star in his own right. And he signed for six for 120 a year before free agency. Um, Later, it became clear he really wanted to stay. Uh, so he's got some that have signed with a year to go, but uh, Seeger has said nothing. He doesn't, he's a very quiet young man. He doesn't talk about it. Uh, we don't know what he, what he wants. Uh, he's from Carolina, uh, North Carolina, I believe. And uh, so we don't know what he wants, but obviously things have worked out well for him there. And you got to figure uh, all things being equally, like to stay with a team that he helped lead to the world championship. But... Um, You know, that's going to be a tough one to get done. The two most optimistic to get done would be uh, Baez and Lindor, probably in that order.
1: Yeah, that that makes some sense. And here we are talking about free agents after the 2021 season. And there's still two pretty good free agents sitting on the board right now. And that's uh, Jackie Bradley Jr. and Jay Gordorizzi. What are you hearing on their front?
2: Well, this I'll say about Jake Odorisi, and I know he was willing to wait and see see how things go and try to follow in the footsteps of Alex Cobb, who signed for four for 57 with the Orioles, pretty mid to late spring, and Kyle Loesch, who signed for three years and 33 million very late spring. I think that was around March 25th or 26th uh, with the Brewers. Um, that was his hope. But uh, you'll see now with Houston uh, losing From Valdez and uh, I don't know if they've issued a statement yet, but uh, he suffered a a badly injured finger on a comebacker from Francisco Lindor uh, yesterday as we speak, and uh, he will be out for quite a while, months uh, from what I understand. We'll see what they say in the statement, but uh, Houston was a little thin in the rotation to begin with, so maybe that's a possibility Uh, for Odorisi. We talked about Philadelphia as a possibility. They checked in. And uh, the Angels, of course, uh, they're a team that uh, looks like a good team, but could use another starter, at least in my opinion. Uh, So that's a possibility as well. Uh, Jackie Bradley Jr., I I think there's some progress going on there now. We'll see what happens. Uh, He's been connected to uh, Houston again and then Boston. uh, Mets appears that they're going to be out of it with two signing two center fielders. Uh, Milwaukee, San Francisco, uh, Toronto, and the Angels also have been connected to Jackie Bradley, but... uh, I'm getting the sense that uh, you know he's also been willing to wait, but not maybe as much as Odorizzi is willing, and uh, I think he may uh, may have something in the next week or two. Uh, we shall see. But to me, doesn't Boston make sense for Jackie Bradley? They haven't replaced him. Uh, they want to try to compete. I think right. So uh, I think that working out with Boston still makes the most sense to me. But uh, you know what? What makes the most sense to me doesn't always what hap- isn't always what happens.
1: Yeah, that's an Jackie Bradley's an interesting one. I, I I certainly think he makes sense in a lot of different places. Boston being one of them. Uh, hopefully, something gets done with both him and Odorizzi here soon. All right, let's end the show on on a on a little bit of a down note here. Uh, Mickey Callaway discussion seems to be getting louder and louder. Um, yesterday, uh, I, I, there was a, a statement put out uh, uh, by uh, Terry Froholt's son Nick that really chastised the the organization as well as his father. We are seeing that the Indians might have had word of this, uh, some of the behavior prior to him being a Mets coach. What are you hearing on this, and uh, why does he
2: still have
1: a job at this point?
2: <laughs> well, I, I really doubt that he's going to be the Angels pitching coach. I don't see any way that they keep him after all that's come out. I mean, um, I understand California law uh, allows him to, uh, try to challenge this and uh and I get that and uh you know certainly everybody deserves their day in court but in this situation yeah. this day and age uh where you know we have emails and pictures and things like that uh, the evidence at least from and again I'm not uh, his employer so I have no say over this it seems pretty clear uh that uh, they will not be able to keep him as the uh, pitching coach of, of the Angels uh, what you mentioned is uh, very interesting. I, I happen to know Nick Francona. He was with the Mets at the time that they hired uh, Mickey Calloway as the manager of the team. And so of course he called his father, uh, Terry Francona, the legendary manager of the Indians to ask about Mickey Calloway. And uh, you know, it seems like Nick Francona tweeted about it. Nick is a very nice guy. He was a very, very honest guy. Uh, and uh, Tries to keep everybody else 100 percent honest. Yeah, and, you know, that's see, not way, that's not the way the world works, really. Uh, you know, uh, but I understand his position. He called his dad, and he feels like his dad didn't give him all of the warts. He didn't tell him everything that he knew. Now, maybe his dad didn't know everything about uh, Mickey Calloway's, shall we say, uh, pursuits—bad uh, pursuits, not just pursuits, but off-field uh, extracurriculars—and uh, very unfortunate. Uh, extracurriculars, um, but it does seem from the athletic reporting that he knew something. And uh, Nick Francone only knows what his conversation was like with his dad. And I didn't right. have a conversation with Nick, or at least a text exchange, sometime even before he made a statement chastising his dad, among others. Um, and uh, he was quite upset about it because you know he wanted to do the best he could and he certainly was all aboard for Mickey Calloway. And, you know, he knows his dad and uh, he felt that uh, his dad would give him the exact straight dope. And, uh, you know, uh, <laughs> he I don't know, maybe, maybe like... you know, no, he didn't. But maybe, you know, maybe on Friend Terry's behalf, maybe he felt that there was some uh, privacy situation, but uh, would have been nice probably to his son if you hinted that, you know, he's got some a couple of little flaws or something, something to say. And I, you know, right. we don't know exactly everything that, uh, that Terry Francona knew, but from the athletic reporting, it seems like he knew more than he let on telling the Mets. And, and I get that, but it's kind of a sticky situation when it's your son asking you uh, whether we should hire Mickey Calloway. And the Mets went on a limb to hire a pitching coach uh, from a small market team to become the manager of the New York Mets. I mean, that was quite a leap. I understand he was a hot name. The Indians had just come off of a World Series, and he is excellent at his craft in terms of being a pitching coach. Uh, But that is a big game. I remember his first, first week in spring training, and I considered writing about how much better Aaron Boone is suited for the job than Mickey Calloway, and I didn't. But I considered writing a column on that, uh, just because, I mean, Aaron Boone, neither one of them had been a manager, but Aaron Boone had played in New York. He'd been an announcer for ESPN. Right. Uh, he just seemed he seemed more ready than Mickey Calloway. And I remember in the first couple of weeks, and, it, and not that there's anything wrong with it, but if you're in New York, you know to go. Fi- he went fishing with Don Trump Jr. Uh, oh. You know that's not really what you how you start your job when you're in New York. Uh, you may know this, Tony. Don Donald. Trump is not beloved in his, in his former hometown. And, uh, right. even then, I mean, it was 2017, but even then a lot of people raised their eyebrows, like, uh, what is he doing? I mean, was he friends with him to begin with, or is he just doing it now? I It was a little weird to me. So I, I didn't, as it turned out, this irrespective of what he, of his pursuits, uh, for, on women, uh, he was not ready for that job, but, uh, I think once this has all come out now, the angels will eventually let him go and have somebody else be the, uh, be the pitching coach. I don't don't think there's any choice in that matter at this point. Do you Tony?
1: No, uh, I certainly don't see how you could bring him back Um, at, at, at best. He would still be a distraction to the team because everybody would be answering questions about it every day. So, uh, it's it, this is a situation that is is going. It has deteriorated really fast, and quite frankly, it's it's been a bad off season for Major League Baseball in terms uh, of some of these incidents popping up. It was Porter to begin the to begin the off and and Mickey Callaway gets caught up in this stuff as well. And uh, that was one of the things Nick Francona pointed out. He didn't just go at the Indians and his father. He also went at Major League Baseball and, and claimed that it was a a a kind of persisting thing and in and, and he didn't see it getting better so hopefully he's wrong about that
2: uh, yes hopefully and, he and, is wrong and, about that but uh, I will say Nick is a very honest guy but he's a guy who you know in the real world sometimes there's some gray areas and you can right, you know right, he doesn't right. see it that way and uh, in some sense it's admirable uh, that he wants everybody to be 100 percent honest but that's not always the way the world works and I Harry Francona was put in a tough spot there. And, uh, you know, we don't know exactly what the conversation was, but I know what Nick told me and how his uh, statement on Twitter suggested that uh, he didn't really get the straight story that he thinks he deserves as the son. And, uh, you know, it's hard for me to argue with him at this from here to say that that's not true. And knowing Nick, he, he is one of the few people I know who is 100% truthful. I don't know if that serves <laughs> you in life, uh, but it's, it's admirable in a, in a sense.
1: Uh, it, so. it, I, I don't know, Nick, at all, so I'll take your word, but that's certainly the type of person I thought of when I was reading his statement. Like, man, Oh, yeah, I mean, he was word. in
2: Afghanistan. Uh, he, you know, I mean, the guy, uh, had, you know, he didn't have to go. He's the son of Terry Francona. He was an Ivy League student at the University of Pennsylvania. You know, he didn't have to go there. He, he wanted to do what was right for the country. So right. there's a lot admirable about him, but he is very tough on Major League Baseball. I do say that. Uh, he, he worked for the Mets and the Dodgers and things didn't work out. And, uh, you know, he's upset about it, but I, I will not say that he will ever say anything that's not the truth or what he perceives as the truth. And that is an unusual trait in this, in this world.
1: No doubt about it. We'll leave it there for this week. Um, we'll we'll hopefully be back with you guys next week. Remember, you can follow us on Twitter. I'm at Tony Gwynn Jr. He's at John Hamer. You can now follow this show on Twitter as well. It's at RDC underscore BTB. That's Big Time Baseball. Make sure you subscribe, rate, and review your Big Time Baseball on iTunes, Spotify, or wherever you find your favorite podcast. That's gonna do it. We'll see you next week on Big Time Baseball.